0: Hello, the show hasn't started yet, but my name is Brenda Bigley.
1: I'm Stephen Holger. Uh,
0: just wanted to to say at the top of this episode, generally speaking, I'll just say this. Uh, this, is, this is a conversation I used to have with a lot of podcast creators when my job was <laughs> to talk to a lot of podcast creators and inform them on how to make better podcasts. Uh, the thing I would always say is don't be afraid to ask your audience for things uh, because you just have, you know, a big wide listener base of people who uh, love input and love dialogue and love conversation um so i just wanted to start this episode uh and have steven and i just ask pretty plainly we now have access to the nintendo switch the xbox the playstation devices and pc games as of owning the steam deck um and at this point i think we have kind of a big enough audience that i feel comfortable saying if you work in games PR and you want us to check out your game, by all means, you can send them to us and we will probably do that. Um, we've never really done that before that I can think of, right?
1: We would get offered uh, codes for stuff if, and, you know, graciously accept, but never proactively. Uh, we yeah. never like went out of our way to get it. Yeah. And yeah. Honestly, like, again, like this show exists to celebrate games, so the biggest exciting thing about getting the Steam Deck was having access to this giant library we had no way of playing. And obviously, you know, Steam Deck is a new device. It's coming with its own caveats and adjustments, but we are able to access that world now in a way we weren't prior. So I think this is a great time to ask.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, so if if you work in games PR and you want to Uh, to check out your stuff, by all means, uh, you can email us. It's brendan at intothecast.online or steven at intothecast.online Ideally both. Just send it to both uh, and one (laughs) of us will get it and respond. Uh, But yeah, that's it. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the the podcast. (laughs) Bye-bye. See ya. And welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. So exciting to be back here talking
1: about the Valve Steam Deck yet again. We got more Steam Deck content. I'm sorry, and you're welcome. I don't know. (laughs) I think people are into it. It's a new thing. It's exciting. Yeah, look,
0: you and I got the Steam Deck last week, a couple days before we started recording. had already put a ton of time into it and had a lot of takes. We had a lot of take, came in real hot with a lot of takes about the Steam Deck. Um, I said things like, don't play Elden Ring on this um Which maybe I regret a little bit because I've played a lot of Elden Ring on it.
1: Since. I think it was more nuanced than that. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely more nuanced than that. I think a lot of our conversation last week was essentially like for those who are not used to the tinkering of a PC setup, there is like a little bit of expectations that need to be set yes. for the Steam Deck. Yes, exactly. And honestly, that that has helped me out a lot because I am someone that primarily. Plays on console, like literally up until now, I have like a very brief window where I like sort of got into it and then my uh, laptop crashed. So like this is all new to me, which I thought would be fun to share on the show because I don't think I'm alone as kind of bizarrely niche as my exact position is hosting a video game com- uh, contest, video game podcast. Welcome, welcome to Into the Aver. Welcome. <laughs> Step right up. Who's got the arm and who's got the spirit? You, sir. Uh, I played Switch a little bit, but you know, this is pretty cool. Um, Anyway. (laughs) having played games a lot but having this like giant blind spot and that was one of the reasons we got the steam deck so for me the the main appeal was i now have access to this library i didn't know that i like many of my friends who primarily play on the pc also found joy in the tinkering process because mm. that's something i've learned r- from a lot of recent conversations with people who are talking about the steam deck with me um, i'm actually surprised i said last week you know we were talked about like who is this for yeah and i hypothesize that if you're someone who already has a dedicated pc setup and you're not like inherently interested in new gadgets i don't know if this is for you and i still mm. feel that way but i am surprised at how many of my friends who are in that exact category like i saw their faces when i said that they all have steam decks and they all love it oh wow um, that's awesome the thing i hear constantly is that it is a lover hate process but there are a lot of people who Really like the experience of getting a game that may not be fully optimized for the system. Just like going into settings and changing things and figuring out what works best for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm someone. I've been uh, brainwashed by Apple in the sense that like, I'm just very comfortable having all of that taken care of for me. Mm. You know, I feel like consoles and Macs kind of run on that model of like, don't worry about tinkering. We've tinkered for you. You're all set. You can use email (laughs) and browse the web. Somewhere
0: Steve Jobs is applauding thunderously.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't.
0: Yeah. Yes. He gets
1: it. Uh, You've won the contest. Um, (laughs) He has the arm and the spirit. (laughs) I've got the arm and the spirit. Did you watch my movie starring Ashton? (laughs) This is the worst Steve Jobs impression ever. Why is he like Danny DeVito? I made the iPod. No, that's Gilbert Godfrey. I made the iPod. I made the iPad. You can listen to music on this thing. And there's a little circle that you spin around and around. And you can listen to you
0: too. We didn't mention that we're recording this one at night, but (laughs) I just want to I want to literalize it in case it wasn't obvious already.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is after work energy, I guess. Uh, This is what happens. Uh, We usually record Sunday morning. It's a very like that's the best chance we have. At delivering low-key content. <laughs> if we if we change the hour or the day, speaking of tinkering, if we change anything, it is no longer the show we promised you. It basically just <laughs> becomes mad TV in some way. Um, on a weekly basis, it barely is already the
0: show we promise you. <laughs> but as soon as we deviate at all from the plan, it immediately launches into Gilbert Gottfried explaining <laughs>
1: the click wheel. <laughs> I just got I just got a flashback of my family. Maybe it was even some group of people close to me it was either family or friends Uh whenever i went to the grocery store i just got really weird as a kid Uh like well into college and i remember hearing the term like oh no it's grocery store steven (laughs) (laughs) i think there's something in me that if there's like more than a few people around me i just think i'm on stage in some unconscious way (laughs) so grocery store steven was a thing for like a long i remember hearing that even in college like grocery store steven so i've (laughs) thankfully grown out of that but now it's monday night steven i guess Um... (laughs) ( próprioAmericans) (laughs) who's got the arm and the spirit and a nine to five anyway going back to tinkering which is really the thesis of this episode so far i thought that i would really not mess with it you you said specifically either on or off the show that you purposely restrained yourself yeah from doing anything with like emulators or even like figuring out how to run games from other launchers like gog or the epic store or itch which we'll get into in, in a few moments just to see like how does it run like out of the box with steam games
0: right the promise of the thing right is valve saying we want to literally create the console experience for pc gaming right like we we want to lure some people over from the like xbox playstation nintendo side of the world um, and say hey here's a device that's as easy to use as those and allows you to buy things with the store that we made uh, which <laughs> i i wanted to experience exactly that and see if see if they made good on that um, and as yeah. of last week i mean you know we talked about it for literally three hours and uh you know pros and cons there i think they got remarkably yeah. close on their literally first attempt at making this device which is you know i think built on the backs of a Lot of other devices that they've made so maybe that's unfair to say but this is the first steam deck and it's remarkably close to the thing that they want it to be and i want i wanted to know how close they got
1: and with that like we talked a lot about how every game in steam is marked by valve as verified great playable unknown or don't play this one um <laughs> yeah. which again I, re- I haven't seen too much of but then there's also the proton db community reviews which are sometimes really different so like mm-hmm. right now you kind of have to do a little bit of research even if you're just someone who like wants to play Spider Man on this thing, or like yes. you know, like a very kind of marketable experience o- outside of like trying to turn this into an emulator device or whatever. Yeah. So
0: like, even talking to some th- people in the Discord, like Cyberpunk 2077, which uh, comes with a Steam Deck preset as soon as you start the game. Apparently, the Steam Deck preset is not as good as some of the other things that you could be doing. Uh, yeah. So yeah, give and take, even on the stuff that is Steam Deck verified.
1: The thing about all of that is that, again, this is really early in the Steam Deck's life, and I think the demand has surprised Valve. I think, like, yeah. that's why they're, I think, like, focusing on just producing more of them because I think it exceeded their expectations. So I imagine all of that will only get better, especially for like the major first-party stuff. I imagine that we will see like a concentrated effort to consider the deck like in a game's development, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. So, like, but again, that's, you know, Steam is basically every game. So there's, there's a wide <laughs> net there of what runs on this thing. And also like, there's also the caveat of, of what do you want to run? Like, there are some things you can get to work, but like, is that the ideal way to play? And this goes back to, you know, Ring. what games yeah. benefit from being handheld and, and which ones don't? Which ones are like, oh, it's cool that I got it to work, but I'm actually not going to commit to this playthrough. And which ones are like, this game is aided by the fact that I'm playing it handheld. Yeah. Um, all this to say, I think even without, in my case, consciously wanting to mess with settings, to experiment, to learn the Steam Deck is nudging you in that direction simply based on the current state of things. So like, mm. even if you don't want to do that, you kind of have to. I can't tell if this is my- That's an interesting take. Yeah, I can't tell if this is my moment of triumph or my villain origin story, but <laughs> I will share that while I was playing Persona 4 Golden, because I, I saw a lot of people discussing about you can adjust the frame rate of a game. So yes. the Steam Deck by default seems to try to do 60 for every game, but- that has varied results obviously. So I'm like, okay, I can see that I'm playing Persona for Golden at 60 frames. I don't know if I really need to do that. This is a PS Vita port of a PS2 game, and there's also like even based on the revelation which I'll get to shortly. I also don't think still that higher frames equals better. There are a lot of games that have stylistic animation that is kind of messed with if you if you just go for the highest FPS possible. So, well, for a game for most AAA stuff and for a lot of competitive games like fighting games or 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 shooting games, like frame data at that point is like a gameplay mechanic. So yeah. obviously you want that to read as clearly as possible and be as smooth as possible. But for Persona 4 Gold, then I'm like, I don't really need 60 frame. Like, what? Am I? Who's kidding who here? So. I turned it down to 30. And again, I have said often on this show, I'm not someone who really complains about frame rate. I can't even really spot it unless it's really bad or really good. Brendan, I turned Persona 4 Golden's FPS to 30 and I said, ew, out loud the minute (laughs) I did so. So I now know, I'm now armed with the knowledge, the Garden of Eden apple bite of what 30 (laughs) frames per second looks like. And I don't like it which is a really hard place to suddenly be thrust into. That being said, (laughs) I did find, and this is, I think a lot of people were saying that you can put it on 40 frames per second which seems to be sort of Mm -hmm. the magic number for a lot of steam games even more modern games yeah and it's kind of remarkable and again this is like (laughs) for most people listening it's probably like cool steven this is very reminiscent of when you got an iphone and discovered group texting but the the difference between 30 and 40 is also remarkably huge and for for persona for gold i found 40 to be a great place because it wasn't as sluggish as 30 but it wasn't as weirdly sped up and clean as 60. And Mm -hmm. also the battery life is better. So I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's
0: the other big trade-off.
1: Yeah, that was my first messing around with the game settings farther than I really ever have before. So now my next mission, which I gave myself like a project for the Steam Deck, was I recalled all the itch bundles I had purchased over the last couple years and i'm like i have i literally have two thousand games on itch that like (laughs) i can play on my macbook but i've learned that i don't really love playing games on my macbook Mm -hmm. uh even ones i brought to the show Like it's just i don't have a great setup for it yeah uh even if they run fine like i just i don't gravitate towards playing games in that way so i'm like let me try to get some of them on the steam deck now so there's a link on itch's website that basically tells you how to run itch games on the steam deck it's pretty easy i was able to figure it out but it does take a lot of time and more effort than you would originally think but it does involve switching to desktop mode and essentially downloading the games in steam in one place and then opening them in another and then i saw that they had no art so there was a whole other hour-long project of getting all the game art to show up <laughs> in my library and i realized i'm like am i having as much fun as i would be playing the games doing this weird tedious work and the answer was maybe yes i don't know why making it work and then actually like being able to show like oh i made this happen i changed this system a little bit to allow for something that wasn't inherently intended yeah and that was a really cool feeling and i know this is like not even tip of the iceberg it's the cloud above the iceberg in terms of like what you can do on pc and what you could even do on the steam deck but i think what has been so remarkable for me is I was convinced that I wasn't this type of person Mm. not that like it's your whole identity but I was convinced I didn't really want to be bothered with this and yet I found a lot of joy doing it on the Steam Deck and I can't quite explain why but i really wanted to share that eureka moment that i had
0: man it's so it's so interesting to hear that because i i feel like this has kind of been my life for the past year or just about over a year i would say whenever we started setting up to do the game boy advance bonus specifically and i started to dive into those hand, handheld emulators that i've been getting really into yeah over the past couple of years i had a realization around the time that we were doing the game boy advance bonus because i had used a thing called the amber RG351P, which I actually have right here next to me as of this recording, because I've been playing a lot on it again recently, but i played all, not all, but most of the Game Boy Advance games that we played for the show on that thing, but realized in the course of doing so that I loved these devices specifically because I loved the process of setting them up individually, which is like so weird in comparison to what they're built for which is literally playing every game on the planet you know it's like okay i bought this thing specifically so i could play every game that was released up through and including the playstation one and i've chosen instead to move an sd card between my old laptop from 2015 and my new mac mini uh so i can load or flash new kinds of like community generated software onto this thing like that was the thing that I was getting the most joy out of and I realized at a certain point that I just needed to stop like I re- I had a I had a moment where I had bought this 351p and I got another one that looked like an old DMG game boy and then I got the Miu mini and I got the inode and I had all of these devices that all sensibly were for the same fucking thing and I wasn't playing games on any of them and I was like this is actually starting to become a problem for me <laughs> not yeah. that, not that the act of tinkering and like doing that kind of stuff is bad in any way shape or form like I've I've helped friends now at this point like hack their 3DS or their Vita or whatever um, like being armed with that knowledge is helpful and when people come to me and say like hey I know you like these things what do you recommend I can just be like let me just set it up for you because I enjoy yeah. that process and I can hand it over and they can have fun with it I did the same thing with you and the Miu Mini Yeah. but when the Steam Deck came in and knowing what that thing was capable of I was like I need I literally need to set ground rules for myself <laughs> like a child to make sure that i experience this thing like a normal person before i experience this thing like brendan the mad Tinker bigly uh, <laughs> like
1: the kid from toy story who like puts all the toys <laughs> <Yes>. together <laughs> before i make a baby crab spider let me yeah. uh, just play with woody for a bit yeah, sorry brendan sid bigly as they call him um,
0: <laughs> anyway uh but as soon as I so I, just to be clear, I wrote a piece about this for my blog. It's wavelengths online um, just about great this process. Um, thank you. But as soon as we were done recording that episode, I was like, all bets are off. Unbuckle the seatbelt. Let's go wild. Let's see what this thing can do. Uh, Let's take it out, you know, on the open road and drive as fast as possible. Uh, And that experience honestly has been even more rewarding than I thought it was going to be because on the surface, I was like, this is just going to be me leaning fully into my worst habits when it comes to this stuff I'm just going to see if I can get things to run and then when that's done I'm going to put it down and not actually play anything but what I found instead is that every time I've tried to do something it just kind of worked immediately and I didn't really need to tinker at all uh, and then that just allowed me to play things faster which I think is really interesting because a lot of these other devices that I've used in the past specifically for emulation for example you get them and then you have to spend you know like an hour getting each game to look the way you want or you know get the whole system to work the way you want or whatever Um Odin, for example is a great example of a thing that i bought specifically to play like ps2 and gamecube stuff but every single game needs its own settings and tweaks which takes forever and then by the time you're done with that it's like i do i actually even want to play this thing on this thing uh and the answer frequently ended up being no and at this point and this is i, I don't know for anyone who's interested in maybe buying the Odin at this point but at this point i just use it for xcloud like the, it's just my mm. like switch Lite that plays xcloud and that's sick like for playing power wash simulator before bed or Disney Dreamlight Valley and things like that. It is (laughs) awesome to load that thing up, jump into XCloud, play a thing, and then put it away. And it's small. I love it. It's great. But the Steam Deck has now become my like emulator of choice for anything above Game Boy Advance, for example. Like as soon as you get into like the N64 realm the process of setting up that emulation is a little bit harder than i think most people would have you believe to be clear even as somebody who enjoys that process of setting that stuff up i found it difficult at times to get things to run the way i wanted to but as soon as i got over that hump of like now the thing is set up It all just works. And all those games just show up in my Steam library with all the box art already downloaded. It just fits in natively into their collections that they make for all the different systems. And it just feels like I'm browsing my entire emulation library alongside all of my Steam games seamlessly. And that's like miraculous. That's so cool by itself, just on the emulation end. And then you get into other things like me asking myself at one point, okay, so if I plug, you know, a, a cheap $20 USB-C dongle into the top of this thing and then plug an HDMI cord into that, did I essentially just make a Nintendo Switch? And the answer was yes. And then I asked myself, <laughs> okay, if I move my Bluetooth mouse and keyboard and connect them to the Steam Deck instead and launch it in desktop mode, did I just make a computer? And the answer is yes. And then I asked myself again, okay, what about all the games that I'm trying to play on this thing that maybe don't work so well with the Steam Deck controls or don't have community layouts that I can download and like switch up, you know, to make them work better? Should I just use mouse and keyboard? And then the answer was also yes. I just did a whole stream a couple days ago of a game that I had mentioned in last week's episode called the wandering village which is like a new in early access game not built for the steam deck very much built for mouse and keyboard and i just loaded the game up in desktop mode connected my mouse and keyboard and played that thing for a couple hours and it fucking ruled and that's the thing that i'm most surprised by with the steam deck is every time i come up with a thing that i think is weird valve is like we already thought of that and it works perfectly <laughs> and that's like yeah wild that's incredible that it all just does
1: exactly what you think it will absolutely you can tell what they thought would be the first things you would want to do based on like when you open desktop mode like what's sort of like the app store equivalent showing you you know (laughs) Um, yeah it's it's just really cool I mean again I think I think like you said it's, it's this nice middle ground of flexibility but also like it's got your back enough that it's gonna back up whatever you like you're not completely on your own yeah right even like when I was putting some of my itch games into my steam library the biggest challenge was honestly just finding where the game file was in the folders of the game i learned quickly that a lot of games aren't just named the game they might be named like launch or something you just have to (laughs) take your best bet and try um but again i enjoyed that process and when i got it running it was amazing I'm, and you know, I think it's it's fun to have projects with this thing. Okay, I have like I have all the games from Steam I I want to play downloaded currently. Mm-hmm. If I want a new game, it's very easy. Right, a little too easy. Uh, and then if I want to <laughs> add. You know, games from other libraries I can pretty easily, and I imagine you will will be my Virgil down the emulator road once we're together again in person. Yeah, probably. The thing for me is like, it's not that I'm not tech savvy. I just have this irrational fear of destroying whatever I'm working with. Like, I just I don't know where it came from or what it's based on, but I always feel like if I did something wrong, I've broken this really expensive piece of hardware. I'm excited to have. Mm -hmm. I just have that like innate fear, which honestly has held me back. from getting stuff like this. So I'm, I'm glad I'm overcoming that with, uh, you know, fairly mundane things. And obviously there's not really a lot of risk on this thing. You're not going to get like malware on the Steam Deck unless you're like really going out of your way to get in trouble. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I've just been really blown away at how fun that part of it is. Because like even as hearing desktop mode, there was part of me that was like, I'm never going to boot that up. Like I'm yeah. never going to need to do that. And what's cool too is like you can like honestly, like if there are games in your itch library that you want to play in your steam deck but for whatever reason you're struggling to get it over to the library you can just have the launcher in desktop mode and play it there and for some games it works better that way like if they're native to linux it's actually much better to just play them in desktop mode and honestly like the ask of switching to desktop mode and launching it there is not much at all um, yeah, it's totally. essentially like opening a new window. So it's cool to have that option as well. And even, um, like I, I mentioned last week how there are some games where it's a little tricky to control given some are made with mouse and keyboard in mind, even mm-hmm. without plugging in a mouse and keyboard, which you can do, uh, you can also completely remap the entire controls of it. So that like the left joystick is the mouse wheel, the right is the mouse scroll. Yeah. And then all the buttons are like, you know, that's not a new thing, but <laughs> It's really cool that you can do that per game and just have it saved. Like, okay, I never have to mess with this again. It's saved for this game when I load you it up. You just did it the one time. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I think that's just really amazing. I, I'm really impressed by this thing continuously. I'll give you some homework. The
0: next thing I think you should, you should set <laughs> yes. up. Yes. Because I th- I think it'll it'll branch you a little bit out of your comfort zone, but as long as you follow all the steps, you'll be fine. Microsoft wrote up a how-to, kind of like Itch did about getting the, the Itch store running on on the Steam Deck. Microsoft wrote a how-to about how to get uh, Xbox cloud gaming running on the Steam Deck as well. Mm. It's really cool. I mean, I know I, know I just said that the iNoden is like my xCloud device, like probably just forever now. I have tried playing some stuff through xCloud on the Steam Deck just to see if I could get it to work. That was my first project. And uh, it's really cool. It's really cool. I think you'll like it a lot. I think you'll enjoy having that stuff in handheld uh, for, for some games as well. Like, you know, the Yakuza games, for example, it's like, well, you could get them natively on the Steam Deck, which is great. I'm playing Yakuza 0 again on the Steam Deck. And it rules but also hypothetically I could just jump into xCloud and just use my save file from my xbox and play it that way instead which is essentially the same thing oh
1: wow that's a good idea yeah because I was debating if I wanted to start over Kiwami or not and now I don't have to I now can just you don't have, have, have to all, man.
0: yeah I would I would recommend that as your next project because I think you'll find that really rewarding especially because like yeah. it involves opening up the console and literally copy pasting one line of code but when you do it you're like I'm Neo <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: how I felt but just doing the most like basic like yeah. elementary school homework yeah
0: yeah you you just literally are typing in like run xbox and then you press enter you're like i'm a hacker and i'm gonna get arrested
1: (laughs) i saved image as from like a google image results of baba is you for the art for the game and i felt like a genius yes (laughs) i can finally have the artwork that literally is what they teach you in fourth grade at least for me it was (laughs) when computer class is like kind of a new thing they're like one day the internet's gonna have legs all right all right back Um, to math blaster (laughs) back yeah back to math blaster back to the dewey decimal system never have i learned something so intensely for it to be immediately taken away and like be obsolete (laughs) what a crushing thing for a nine-year-old to learn it's like that thing you spent a year learning no longer serves anyone yeah when was the last time you did long division (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha.
0: I've I've done regular size division recently. Yeah. I've not done long division.
1: I do a lot of casual trig, but not really uh, <laughs> long division. I will say, alongside itch,
0: just worth mentioning, there's another thing that you can download uh, from just like the app browser that comes with the Steam Deck. Um, maybe it's just a Linux thing. I don't know. I've used Linux in forever, but uh, there's a thing you can download called the Heroic Games Launcher, which uh, allows you to link your Epic Game Store and your GOG Game Store accounts and just download those games as as well and then add them to your steam library and play those uh it's which amazing. is wild especially considering like epic game store for example gives away new games what every week every month i mean it's like constant i don't i don't know how often they're doing it but i do know that uh a lot of the twitter accounts i follow will just be like free on epic game store for some reason and now i can just start redeeming all of those which is really cool yeah i just got a game called gloom haven i don't know what it is but i'm excited oh. to play it I,
1: I've never played it, but that was <laughs> at the office I used to work at. Gloomhaven just sat proudly on the IT desk. So when you had to like walk for help, you had to like walk past Gloomhaven Interesting. before you handed them your MacBook. Yes, we used Macs.
0: Is that what they is that what they called the IT center? Did they call it Gloomhaven?
1: I think I called it that in my head, but I don't think anyone had the courage to yeah. say
0: it out loud. <laughs> I'm off to Gloomhaven. <laughs> yeah might as well to hand over my macbook uh anyway
1: that's free on the epic game store
0: as of this recording oh yeah redeemed and downloaded and added to my steam library and one day
1: maybe i'll come back and tell you how it is if it's good that's a board game that i think might again all i know is walking past it but from what i can (laughs) guess about it i imagine that it probably benefits from being a video game because i found that a lot of complex board games i do like the video game just taking care of it for me, you know, Mm. uh, which I know goes against everything I just said, I learned and I'm proud of, but (laughs) I do board games have a lot of setup and a lot of patience required. And one friend begging you that eventually it will be fun. Uh, so I just like that. We don't have to deal with that social stress. We can just, try it you know you can just play gloomhaven on the epic game store yeah exactly i feel that way about root the root game which is on switch is fantastic yeah it's it's a little bit easier to jump into than the board game is even though the board game is wonderful as well yeah the board
0: game's cool but yeah the switch version is good i also have it uh it also i think is on ios and android as well just a heads up that's root which we've talked about on the show before um anyway i'm going to just very briefly Talk about a video game that I liked on the Steam Deck, which I've already brought up. But The Wandering Village was a game that I talked mm. about last week. Um, kind of like this, you know, pie in the sky. I saw an article on Polygon about how this thing is in early access and now I get to play it. Isn't that so cool and exciting? And I was like, I should actually play that and come back and talk about it next week. The Wandering Village, really good really cool yeah. video game even in early access even in the state that it's in now actually the day that we're recording this there was a bunch of conversation in the discord specifically about like the benefits or follies of early access and like do you follow early access games or not i will say personally i enjoy checking stuff out when i know going in that it like feels marginally complete like if i can put like an hour or two into something and feel like i'm getting a cool experience then great like i'll check it out in early access that sounds great but if, if i'm playing yeah. a thing and it's like really like oh i'm beta testing and app like that's not the kind of thing that i really want to
1: experience (laughs) that's the thing it's there's such a wide range like you know uh for example hades was an early access for like a year before it came out with 1.0 And, like, it was pretty much close to done at that point. Like I know that because I had a lot of friends. This is, again, uh, the Dark Ages before we had Steam Decks. But I had a lot of friends being like, you guys should play Hades. You'd really like it. And I said, I know I would like it. I can't <laughs> play it yet. Yeah, uh, my friends who followed Hades in early access, they're like, yeah, my game of the year for the last three years has been Hades. So <laughs> so in that case, like, you know, there was there was a pretty good amount of time where that was early access. But it was, it was ready at a certain point. Yeah. Um, or at least it would, like... If you were playing and you didn't know it was early access, you might think, oh, this is done. Um, But then, like, I played the early access of Baldur's Gate 3 Mm. last year. And at least in the state it was in last year, like, you know, there were just things about it that, like, weren't finished. I mean, the game, they only had done the first act of the game inherently. Right. But there were also things where, like, you would talk to your character and they would follow you, but they would also stay behind. Now there's two of them. You know, stuff like that. Or, like, oh, this move just doesn't work yet. So... Mm. I think, like, I really like being part of both processes. I like seeing a game before it is officially released, but it's, like, pretty close to done. And I really like being at all helpful in the really early stages. I think the issue is that I wonder if there should be two different names. Because, again, I feel like the communication to the player might be misleading if you think early access means... You can play it early. Not we are not done with this yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. so uh I, I think you know. I think it, it goes both ways. Like for Baldur's Gate three, for example, I feel very strongly. I'm calling my shot now. Once that game is done, I think it's going to be a huge deal. And that's maybe not a hot take. They this is a team that made Divinity Original Sin two. They know what they're doing. But I think that. It just feels like like we talk about a lot of series where we will love the games, but then there's like that one game that kind of captures everything they're good at. Like Mm -hmm. Hades with Supergiant. Hades is a super cut of everything Supergiant is good at in one game. Totally. Baldur's Gate 3, I feel like will be that for larian studios i believe and i'm really excited for that to exist but i also am like i, I don't want to play it again until it's done because I, I got a taste of it i don't want to like i don't want to follow it too closely i
0: also know they delete save files as they update yeah. the game as well so like even if you invest you know 10 hours into that thing uh the next time they update the game it might wipe your save so wor- worth waiting for it to drop exactly
1: yeah. so anyway wandering village
0: yes the wandering village uh is a, it's a city builder, and the whole deal is that the city is on the back of a big, like, uh, Ghibli-esque dragon uh, named Anbu. And you have a bunch of, like, wandering nomads wearing wearing gas masks because the world seems to be poisonous, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, humanity is dying out, but these people are trying to carve out a life uh, literally on the back of this wandering dragon. So It's
1: very Nausicaa, if you're a fan of that movie or, or manga. Yeah. It
0: is very Nausicaa. Absolutely. And... Uh, i played it for a couple hours i played for an hour on stream uh you can check out that video it's on our youtube at this point um and even just that first hour was like wow this is really compelling this is really cool the art style is amazing it kind of has like it's beautiful almost when you zoom in all the way you can see all the little villagers like running around and doing all the stuff that you've assigned them to do and they all have kind of like a paper mario s cutout vibe to them yeah Uh, it's like very like heavy ink outlines um but they're flat against like a 3d background it's really cool like really this is beautiful a paper game we yes can, we
1: can count it as it's that a yeah, paper genre yeah it's a paper like
0: so you're doing you know the the classic city management thing that you've done in every other city manager that you've ever played in your life where you're like okay i need to ha- make sure that this village has enough tents and enough water for all of the people and make sure that we have enough resources to do this and a doctor for whatever and etc cetera, etc cetera. but then you can zoom out and you can see anbu this giant wandering dragon upon which your village is built and you also need to be managing Anvu in terms of like hey are they eating enough are they sleeping enough uh, are they wandering into a poison field or can I deviate the course of their travel uh, you know at at an intersection at some point by uh, blowing a giant horn that I built uh, on on their back uh, things like that really add a, a, a whole different layer to the game where it's like you need to be constantly flipping back and forth between like micromanaging and macromanaging simultaneously uh And that's honestly really cool. Like that by itself is yeah. just is a really cool thing. I, I think it kind of goes back a little bit to what we were talking about with Farm Sims recently, where like even just one major twist on a thing is enough to make me consider like checking that thing out because I'm I'm just curious about the the progression of genre like that. Obviously, city builders have been around for a really long time. Town management games have been around for a really long time, but. Honestly, just setting one on the back of a big living thing that I also need to manage
1: that's your twist. And that's enough for me. Yeah. What I really love thematically is that it's reminding you that you have to take care of this place as well. They've, they've yes. made essentially Earth a character where it's not just you're not just in a land of infinite resources. Like it is a living, breathing thing, which honestly, I just really love the message of that, Like even on, a, on a surface level. But I think you're right. I mean, and what's so cool is like zooming in and seeing all the people running around, and then zooming out and The creature design on Anbu is so cool. Like it's one of the best views is just seeing them move around. Mm. And I love that they put so much effort into making every view good and also give you a different perspective on the village. You know, when you zoom in all the way, you can kind of forget that Anbu- is, is moving. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And then zooming out, you can forget that there's a whole village there. So I, I really love that they offer you those two extremes. And then there's also like you can zoom out all the way and there's this map. Yeah,
0: there's like a world map where you can see where you came yeah. from and where you're going and all of the all of the trajectories that Anbu might take because they're just kind of I mean, wandering, hence the name, wherever <laughs> they want. Uh and you have light control over where they end up going. So like if there's an intersection and they seem to be beelining in one direction, even if you built the giant horn on Anbu's back and try and blow it to get them to turn right they might not because they might not trust you enough so that by itself is really interesting that like you you don't really have full control over Anbu either which I think yeah. you know speaks even more to the message that you were just alluding to um, yeah. but I, I do I do appreciate um, that, that sense of scale on all on all sides really all around in all three views that you're given I think the game is really good what I didn't realize about it is it's like more roguelike adjacent the whole idea oh, is that like you could play it for multiple hours and then fail and then need to start over which is interesting I, I thought it was going to be a situation where it's like you just play it and you'll run into some stuff and every once in a while you know you'll face hardship but you can bounce back but sometimes it's like no no no, no, no. you are you're just done which I wasn't expecting do you get
1: upgrades as you play or is it just like from scratch each time
0: I think it's from scratch each time, at least at least oh, wow. as it is now. I haven't run into this yet myself, um, but I, I was reading more about it from other people who are playing. it, And there are situations where, for example, Anbu can wander into an area that is like molten and then everything you own just burns. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, or, you know, it would be like too hot to to farm certain crops things like that and if you haven't unlocked other crops then like you're just fucked things like that so yeah very interesting
1: i guess the idea is that you'll you'll know what to prepare for more the next time so yeah. you'll you know have the knowledge at least to, to yeah. move forward
0: that's the wandering village it's really cool i don't want to say too much more about it because it's in early access outside of like i'm really enjoying it even though it's in early access and i will probably play it a little bit more but i might honestly just not i might just wait until it's fully out and then come back to it
1: do they have a date yet for one point i also put this game up by the way but i i didn't have my post frame rate adjustment uh brain yet so (laughs) it just felt so like made for mouse and keyboard that i that i switched games but i'm really excited to play it myself but yeah do they have a date for 1.0 or not yet i
0: don't think so yeah i think it it
1: just launched into early access i guess
0: was that last week so think it's going to be a little bit but
1: yeah so far so good it is a game that like feels pretty ready though like going back to our conversation about i mean i'm sure they have like more they want to do and it's up to them when they want to release it but in terms of like what you should expect playing it uh it definitely feels like you get a full sense of what they're going for at least i was surprised to
0: find how in-depth the tutorial was like from go because i feel like whenever i play early access games like this usually the first thing that i'm missing is a tutorial and i'm like i have no idea how to play this and uh the tutorial is really great in this game So even even that is set in stone. Uh, So, yeah good the wandering village i also
1: want to clarify my my statement there is based on watching your hour stream it seemed like you're having a good time so like <laughs> that's why i was i was so confident like yeah it feels pretty good so i played it for like 30 seconds uh, but i did watch your stream and it was it was really a joy to even watch it was so beautiful yeah. oh and there's some fun uh, they already have some uh interesting ways to implement twitch where oh, if yeah. you connect your twitch to the game it will name all the villagers after uh people in chat And I think chat can also influence where Anbu goes yeah, or try to, uh, which is very fun. I I feel like we might do that one day if we once the game is fully out or whatever.
0: Yeah, that does feel like a fun thing. Like maybe we'll celebrate 1.0 with with a big Twitch stream. I think that'd be really fun.
1: I'm really excited for this one, though. It looks it looks beautiful and uh, it seems like a cool game.
0: That's the Wandering Village, which I played on my Steam Deck plugged into a USB-C dongle plugged into my capture card plugged into my mac plugged into my monitor and a mouse and keyboard i can't wait to get my dreamcast yeah <laughs> hell yeah dude you have a bunch of steam deck games that you want to talk about
1: i do yeah do you want to take a quick break here and then i'll i'll throw the match you? oh yeah we've been talking for a long time huh yeah let's yeah do it's that. been uh it's been 40 minutes but i i have a few i'm excited to share i will see you soon bye-bye bye-bye brendan i i've been playing a few games oh we're back first of all oh and second of all Huh? Oh, I, I, your reaction applies that we're just like, we just lose all the life in us in the break. We just like sit <laughs> empty, like deflated, inflatable tube men. I have been playing a few games. These actually are all games. (laughs) These are all the games that I
0: have been playing
1: games. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there's no, I lost something once. Yeah, there's no music. There's no sound. I just (laughs) opened my eyes and I got a game or two to bring. I have been playing a bunch of games. Uh, Again, I, I mentioned this at the top of the episode, but I have been adding slowly but surely adding my itch library to my Steam Deck. But honestly, one of the big parts of that process was really looking through the bundles we got so we actually have a whole episode about the first itch bundle that was released as a big fundraiser uh, during the George Floyd protests uh, in the summer of 2020. That was our our season three premiere. We decided to play through a lot of those games at the time the bundle was released, and we highlighted our favorite ones. There, there were some, you know, obviously big games in that bundle, but there were a lot that we had never heard of before. So it's just yeah. a way to highlight some smaller creators. And there was recently another bundle uh, to to help raise money for those in Ukraine, a relief effort. Um, and I got that bundle but I didn't really even like see what was in it. I just sort of wanted to support the cause and I remembered I had it and I, and I was like, let me like see what's actually in this. So I scrolled through really good games in that, by the way, there's some crossover. I think Celeste is in both cross code. One of our favorites is in that bundle as well, Mm -hmm. which is cool. That also plays pretty well on the steam deck. It's gold Might the tinker with cross code a little bit. That might also
0: be if you're buying it like from steam, because you and I have, or at least I had some issues running it from itch, but uh, hopefully I'll get it running eventually.
1: Yeah. Either, way uh it it is there so whether you're playing on the steam deck or just somewhere else uh if you bought that bundle you have it which is cool yeah but i basically just scrolled through and i i added to my library games that caught my eye and a lot of them are puzzle games for whatever reason uh so i have with me four puzzle games uh that i'm excited you wrote in our notes steven's puzzle box which are kind of (laughs) like as a as a weird aj i want you to play whatever that title whatever song comes to mind from steven's puzzle box (laughs) i don't even want this to be a recurring thing i'm just really curious what the intro would be for steven's puzzle box wow it sounds great i hope i hope that set the mood so uh the first one actually kind of similar it's sort of halfway between a puzzle and a a village builder is a game called dorf romantic which i think is also coming to Switch really soon, or maybe already has. Yeah, I think it might be this month. It is essentially a game where uh, you're given sort of Settlers of Catan-esque tiles. So the game begins and there's one tile on the map, and then you can see on the right side of the screen a stack of tiles, and you can place it next to that tile. You have to place it. It has to, every tile you'll put down, has to connect to another tile. But you can see by rotating that tile or by just like trying different sides of it that certain things connect, certain things don't. Like you you can place it anywhere, but you already visually are seeing like, oh, well, there's like trees on this corner. What if I like put a forest next to that? Or, oh, I just put a lake here. I just got a river tile. Like, where should I put that? So you're only given one at a time. This game feels like a polite teacher letting you make a mess and then being like, fix it, you know, like from a distance. (laughs) Cause, the impulse is like oh my god this is it, it's, it's so beautiful it's so relaxing there's great music there's this is really charming presentation and it doesn't really seem that challenging at first so i was like i'm just gonna you know i've, I've played city builders where like they just kind of let you go wild they just sort of let you put things down and see pretty things happen so i'm like maybe that's what this game is i'm down for that and quickly saw the error of my logistics and <laughs> realized that this is essentially a board game more than yes. it is a city builder uh they They really want you to think ahead, even though you can only place one tile down at a time. You have to think like, okay, making this big forest is pretty, but am I limiting my options later? I still haven't figured out how trains work in this game like when I get a <laughs> railroad tile i panic but it's it's really really brilliantly designed it's won a bunch of awards I believe and you can see why it just yeah it, there's a really intimate level of game design here and there's some really fun surprises where if you pull off what they call perfect tiles where every corner is adjacent to something else that works harmoniously sometimes you'll unlock new tiles that get added to your overall pile so yeah. Mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me a little bit of loop hero in that sense where in loop hero when you like put down a bunch of things if you put like a bunch of mountains nearby they would form like a giant harpy's nest like at the peak of the mountain right so i think in games like this it's it's important to have an element of surprise because i think you know it could feel a little basic without that but it's nice being like caught off guard with what you've unlocked based on just what felt like the natural move. So I would say that the, the tutorial is a little bit strict. They don't really like let you make mistakes early on. They kind of demand you understand the game immediately, <laughs> which kind of caught me off guard. But once they let me actually play it, I really couldn't put it down. It's a really cool game. And I imagine it runs great on Switch. Uh, I mean, we'll see, but I can't help but imagine it will be a good port because it just works really well on handhelds And uh, it's really, really relaxing and really fun.
0: I played this game as well I had totally forgotten to write this down in in the in the lineup for this week uh, because I think I played it like almost immediately after we recorded last week's episode um, for like hours (laughs) Same 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 situation as you I I downloaded it uh, it was one of the first games I downloaded and thought to myself like I am not enjoying this tutorial very much. I don't think I'm gonna click with this, and then, as soon as they let me loose into the actual game itself, I could not stop playing and a lot of it does come down to the fact that the vibes are immaculate the The soundtrack yeah. is so good. all the little sounds that all of your little tiles make is so nice. hearing the little choo choo of the little train as it uh as it you know drives around its little rail is so nice. And the little chug boat that's doing its thing. It's so good. I love all that stuff so much. Um, But there's also this deeper layer where sometimes a tile will show up and it'll be like, okay, here's a forest tile. And to accomplish the quote unquote quest that comes with this tile, because sometimes tiles come with quests. It'll be like, you need to connect this forest to 145 other trees. Somehow <laughs> So then you put that down and then you need to build the big forest to be able to accomplish that quest. And then it'll say, ah, 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 you actually can't finish this quest until you've surrounded all of those trees with different kinds of tiles, essentially closing off this forest. Like it need it needs to it needs to be a complete forest with a beginning and an end. And they'll force you into these situations where like you go from I'm just having a cool, relaxing time to like, oh, my God this is now a strategy game in a very (laughs) real and almost like anxiety inducing way. And that, that ability to flip flop between those two vibes, um, is really, really impressive. Uh, I, I think I, I have found that so far at least, I don't feel myself being pulled into like score chase realm like every time I finish a run of the game uh, which I would say takes like at least for me anywhere between like 20 to 30 minutes maybe yeah Um, around the same for me. I would say every time I finish one, I just think, oh, that's a fun score. And then I don't consider like if it's better or worse than any other one that I've ever gotten. And then I launch myself into free play mode. And then I just do that for a little bit because I feel this like weird attachment to the thing that I just made. Uh, And I I can't give it up immediately before I you know, close the game and then the next day I'll open it up and launch into a new game.
1: Yeah, it works like a daily challenge in that sense, almost like a not words type thing where, you know, I'm like, okay, that's like the town I made today, you know, win or lose. That's what I made. So essentially, like how you win is by depleting your set number of tiles. But if you have basically prevented yourself from building anything else and you still have tiles left, the game just ends. You get kind of the better luck next time. But like it doesn't erase what you've built. And there are honestly a lot of board games like this where I think it's important that whether or not you win or lose, you feel like you've created something. Yeah. I think that's like a really great design choice. And also having the free creative mode option where you can just build and not really think about the game. It shows a a lot of confidence in the simple mechanics and also in the rules of the game. Uh, if I had to like pitch this, it feels like if Settlers of Catan was solitaire, it's like single player Catan mm-hmm. where you have to essentially make all this work. And like Catan, it suddenly gets very stressful when he thought it was going to be a fun chill time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think this game's awesome. I think it really does stand out. I, I think the the feeling in the marketing suggests city builders. I think, I think it is worth knowing before you pick it up that it's more board game than that. But it's a board game about building this place. And that's a really cool idea. As many games as there are that look like this and that like are going for this vibe, I haven't seen the design on this level. Yeah. Uh, and sort of the the unseen challenge is almost insidious, where it's like <laughs> I didn't think there were rules. I'm in trouble. I thought I was just <laughs> build, I thought I was just making windmills and stuff. It's great. I, I would highly recommend it. So that that's one of my one of my four. Let's see anything else to add to Dwarf uh, Magic? I Harmetic. don't.
0: I don't. I think it's great. And when it comes out on Switch, you should play it.
1: Yeah. The reason I have four is uh, again it's hard it's hard to say a lot about puzzle games. As much as I respect the design, and I can say like this is great. It's a little bit like saying this ice cream tastes good so that was a fun conversation but so
0: here's what happens if you click on a box (laughs) and there's a mine in it you blow up and then you gotta start over
1: you're in space but not really it's pinball and you can uh (laughs) (laughs) you've waited too long now there's pipes everywhere and they're from another dimension the next puzzle game in my in my puzzle box is one we brought to the show before One you played is uh, Baba is You. This is a big game. Oh, You've yeah. You've probably heard of it. Um, th- this is also in that Itch bundle. So if you supported the Itch bundle for uh, Ukraine, you also have Baba is You, which I was surprised by. I didn't know. I, I've been wanting to play this game for forever. I don't know why I've, I have been sleeping on it, but I, I had it all along. It was right there. And uh, it's really nice handheld. So essentially, the, the premise of Baba is You is it is a puzzle game that's centered around pushing blocks like many are but the blocks are essentially logic phrases so you'll see on the level a sentence that says you know a box will be the word baba who's this little rabbit creature that you control is you so you control baba and then there might be another one that says like a stone is push and when that's set up you know when they're in proximity to each other they make the logic of the game it's like, I think you you compared it to programming when we talked about it a couple years ago. And it very much is that where you are following the logic of these sentences, but you can also break the logic. Sometimes like if you push is out of Baba is you, you'll just <laughs> cease to exist and you have to start over, which is kind of funny. And uh, what I really appreciate about this game and, and some of the other ones here is that you can restart pretty easily and you can also undo single moves which I think every puzzle game should have. is like, yeah, rather than having to start from scratch, let me rethink a single move. Give me a divine pulse for a puzzle game. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really clever. And I mean, it's hard to pile on more praise for this game because I think it was a big deal when it came out and it's, yeah, it's so ingenious in its execution. Like it's hard enough to make a good puzzle game, but one where you can actually bend the rules itself to solve puzzles like uh there was one where, you know, it, it will usually be something like Baba is you, flag is win, wall is stop. But I change it so that flag is you. So all of a sudden I was like the flag, and then I made, you know, wall is win or something. And it just it always kind of makes you laugh when you pull off certain things. Cause Absolutely. like it also uses a lot of your preconceived notions. As challenges as well. So the level isn't just a blank slate, there will be like grass, there might be walls, but it's always worth actually looking out for those sentences, because like, in one level, there are a bunch of walls, but there's no wall is stop. So you can actually just walk through it from the very beginning. But you might think it is just because it's a wall, like you're following the logic of real life. Right. It reminds me, I mean, we compared this, uh, we brought this game up more recently with Patrick's Parabox, where I think both games are taking a sort of meta approach at themselves were like in patrick's Spare box also a box sliding puzzle game but you can go inside boxes that represent the level itself so suddenly you'll go into a new space and see a giant version of yourself <laughs> looking into the box which i love that game yeah. is really you can do some things where you like exit and you're just in like infinite space uh it's, it's pretty wild it's really cool also runs very well on the steam deck yeah so bob is you is just really i mean not i'm not super far into it But I've been really enjoying it. I have been warned that the difficulty gets kind of wild towards the end, and I can see that given just how abstract it is. Like it's again, it's hard enough to be like, okay, like where do I need to navigate? But having infinite possibilities of like I can theoretically be anything, and Mm -hmm. and you know, there's enough grounding you where like, okay, I know I have these options. but even considering these options, like if there are if there are three things that can be and three things that can push and then, you know, there's other like it is a lot to consider <laughs> and at a certain point. It, it, it can feel like a little much, but um, I definitely think it's worth checking out because I think it's just so it's such a brilliant idea. It's just worth experiencing, even if you eventually move on. It's a really fun game just to like spend a little bit of time with.
0: It's really good. It's also uh, just worth mentioning available on like a bunch of platforms. So even if yeah. you don't have a Steam Deck, uh, it's even on I think iOS and Android <laughs> at this point. So um, would would definitely recommend playing it. I, I definitely uh, also ran into a wall. Uh, wall was stop for me Uh, and I I just like couldn't keep going I found it really really difficult at a certain point and uh didn't didn't keep progressing maybe one day maybe one day I'll go back but um yeah yeah, still I I do think even though it gets really hard everyone should experience it it just is a really joyous experience
1: I found that puzzle games are really helpful for me when I first wake up or right after work just to kind of like get into a zone Mm. so anyway that's Baba is you I have two more. These will be pretty quick, but these were also in that bundle and I thought they were worth shouting out. One is called move and bloom. Uh, It's also a sliding box puzzle, Uh, but essentially this one you control like three really cute cartoon or not always three, but um, you essentially, as you move these boxes, they all move at the same time. So no matter the number of boxes that are present on the screen, uh, they all move simultaneously with the controls. Mm. And your goal is to essentially line up all of the boxes of the same color, um, and then they'll, like, make a happy face and sprout into flowers. You, we we were on the phone while I was setting up all my itch games on the Steam Deck, and you said, like, it sounds like you're playing a game that, like, some kid on a sitcom needs to be playing a video game, so these are the sounds they settled on. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, whenever you beat a level, it's like, good job! <laughs> you know confetti (laughs) so uh i like
0: it i liked that to be clear that was not a dunk I just I want to make I want to make it perfectly yeah. clear that I'm not dunking <laughs> on those sounds. I think the sounds that they play on CSI Miami when a kid needs to be playing a video game is what all video games should sound like.
1: And he's just mashing every button possible. He's like, get yeah. away, mom! I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's good that it makes that sound because this game is also surprisingly hard given how uh like cute and approachable the presentation is. Again, you're moving them all at once, which is tricky to get used to and. And sometimes you'll need to be creative. if you only want to move one, you might have to like trap one box underneath an unmovable object. And then, you know, they will be bumping against the wall, but the other one will be moving up and down on the grid. Uh, The first handful of puzzles give you one color and they're really letting you learn the rules of the game. This game is really good at pacing out the rules which I appreciate. Um, So they want to make sure that you inherently understand, okay, here's how I can move on the grid. Uh, And what's tricky is that if two of them align, uh, they'll sprout, but then the other one looks sad uh, and you have to start over. So like you can't just have two of them touch and then one be far away. So there are a lot of times where you think you're, you're close, but then you'll have that happen and you have to rewind a turn. What's really brilliant is that once you get used to the single color boxes, then they add, obviously, you can see this coming. they add other color boxes, and they add uh part grids that are already covered in grass you can't sprout on. So actually, you can have the boxes touch on the grassy uh, grid panels. So then all of a sudden a fundamental rule is broken. And you now have more options, but it does make the game a little harder. And I find that ramping up difficulty with more options is a really nice way to design puzzles. Because again, it really, I think a great example, obviously, is, is Portal, where Portal doesn't give you the full range of power of the Portal gun until like, again five or six levels in like you can first of all you don't even have it you just see the concept happening and i remember when we did our portal episode i i play a little bit of the commentary and they said that a lot of playtesters struggled to to really understand the abstract action of the game until they saw themselves so the game is in first person but purposely the first portal you walk into you can see the main character actually walk in and just i think it's like one of the one of the few times the game like make sure you see the character mm-hmm. and that really does ground you on an unconscious level like oh, okay i am going through these and i'm emerging through another side yeah then you know you'll get puzzles where only one power is available to you and then when the game like really knows you got it they'll give you the gun and i think a lo- i think that's like the best way to pace a puzzle game from my yeah. experience
0: totally this looks really great i'm looking at i'm looking at a video of it right now on their website moveinbloom.com <laughs> just worth mentioning it's it's move n like the like the letter yeah. n move in bloom like like a shorthand for and it honestly looks a lot like uh, a roguelike that i i brought to the show a couple years ago twinfold oh really everything moves in the same way as twinfold um which honestly is uh compelling enough for me to probably check this out uh which i already i guess have which is great so i will do
1: that just like all these games door Romantic, bob is you really great music it's important to have good music when you're gonna be really frustrated <laughs> uh so all these games go out of their way to have a really really cute aesthetic and a really nice, like sort of (laughs) lo-fi soundtrack. Can I, can I give you the pitch for this game? Please
0: do. This is is what they, so very sparse website, moveandbloom.com. I want to be clear. First of all, worth noting, this game is $4. Uh, So -hmm. even if you didn't get the bundle, it's pretty cheap, very affordable. Yeah. But anyway, moveandbloom.com. This is, this is the only text on the website. Did you know that if you match at least two cute square shaped beings by color, then you get at least two fields with grass and flowers in the same color? No, now you know. (laughs) Move and
1: Bloom, $4 on Steam and Itch. (laughs) That's way better than everything I said. That's a great pitch. I love that. (laughs) Move and Bloom. It's it's awesome. I'm surprised it's not like I only saw a few reviews on Steam. So I definitely Mm. think. This game is worth your time. And one last puzzle in, in Steven's puzzle box here. The first and maybe last puzzle box. I, I will bring puzzle games to the show again, but I don't know if I'll get a theme song about it, all right? <laughs> uh, the next game is Pipe Push Paradise. This game I think you'll like a lot because there is a really great kind of bossa nova acoustic guitar soundtrack. It's really, really lovely. This game also just uh, amazing aesthetics across the board for all of these, but this one is really cool Um, in the Ooh, music. This is,
0: looks beautiful
1: it's great so it's described as an open world puzzle game but what that kind of means is it's open world in the sense that bowser's fury is open world where you can walk around this sort of open environment um it's it's like an island you're on but you'll see squared off by walls like zones that are clearly puzzles so you'll walk in and the puzzle will be given a name that kind of cruelly foreshadows the dilemma you're faced with. Uh, Like one is called No Escape. And essentially what you're doing, hence the title Pipe Push Paradise, you're moving pipes around to connect from different uh, faucets, I guess, or, you know, essentially setting up a a plumbing unit. So you'll see like two pipes with water coming out and you'll see that you can move some vertical pipes around. You can move some pipes that are at least in where I am in the game. There are currently only vertical pipes or, uh, pipes that are, have like a right angle. Um, but when you push those, if you push a certain side of it, uh, it will roll the whole thing up. So the other part of the pipe will be in the air and then fall on the ground. So you've essentially changed the shape and the direction the pipe is flowing. So that is infuriating in a good way (laughs) but that like you will see what shape you need the pipe to be but the process going back to tinkering the process of figuring out how on earth do I push this pipe in this shape of a level to get it exactly where I want it to be in the shape I need it to be uh, it's really again it's really well designed but the game I feel like is definitely the most sadistic of all the ones I've I've, uh, given you here in a fun way because again it's so Beautiful. The music is so good. But I think they kind of know you'll be screaming <laughs> during this whole process. But I think it's just really it's really hard. All these all these are really hard to put down. And this one I think just has a really nice feeling to it. Like something about like connecting water and like the sounds it makes and um the feeling you get where it's okay, I did it moving on. Like I think the ability to actually walk out of the room and go somewhere else is really cathartic, uh, especially in that uh, trapped level where the, the, the dilemma of that level is it looks really easy. You see on one end, there's the faucet; it's connected to two vertical pipes. Then there's a pipe that is essentially like a horizontal. It goes both ways. And then there are the two right angle pipes that, that are around you near the entrance, but one is a space away. So you see water coming out of it. Like, oh, okay. I'll walk around it and push it. Uh, thus blocking the entrance. So it's like, <laughs> how do I get all these things to connect without blocking my way out? And again, I think it's really important to know, uh, there's a great um, Game Makers Toolkit episode about puzzle games. I shout out his channel a lot, but a lot of these games I actually recognized from that episode. Uh, this this Pipe Push Paradise is on that episode about puzzle games. And hmm. he describes that every puzzle game needs a catch. It's like, okay, I know like the player needs to identify what the goal is, And, but what's preventing me from getting there, you know, like what is the game uh, broadcasting, but what's actually getting in my way. And sometimes it takes rethinking, you know, what you thought were constants are actually variables. So one thing you learn pretty early on in this game is when you push those pipes that you can change the shape of by, you know, when you like push this pipe and, and the other part of it is in the air and, and changing where it lands, you can have it hit something else and it will fall back. So you theoretically can move it forward, but then have it fall back in the shape opposite of where it would land so then that adds a whole other thing so there's a lot of things like that that you'll just learn from messing around and making mistakes it's it's really cool it's really well done i would highly recommend it along all of these games these have all been really fun to play and i think will all be in their own way uh rituals of mine like, i'm not sure which is like the like dwarf romantic i think is a little bit different than these three because it's, it's more of a board game i don't know if it's like quite as puzzly as it is more strategic in some ways mm. whereas uh these games are really giving you a central conundrum that you have to navigate around differently each time um, i think they all do it in a different approach and they all do it very well these games are all great i uh, highly recommend
0: they all sound great and the ones i've played are great uh and <laughs> pipe push paradise you have sold me on and i went on their website and it's available on like everything like yeah. every yeah, single platform including mobile which i just got it on so oh um, hell yeah i'm going to play this on my electronic
1: phone (laughs) well that's all I got uh, for for puzzles this week I appreciate you hearing me out I hope you find one that brings you joy thank you for your time Uh, play (laughs) me out AJ
0: (laughs) goodbye puzzle box Steven, now that we're outside of your puzzle box, you want to enter my roguelike nightmare?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brendan's gauntlet? Yeah, let's do it.
0: I, I've been playing a bunch of roguelikes, um, three of which I'm going to talk about very succinctly because there's not a whole lot to say. I mean, there is a lot to say, but I, I don't really need to go too far into them. I think you should just experience them. And one of them that I do very much want to talk to you about. Um, the first one I, I've seen a lot of coverage of already this year. Uh, it, it's a game that launched earlier this year called Curse to Golf, which is... Really great. I picked it up on the Steam Deck. It is a golf roguelike. The whole idea is that you uh, are the best golfer on the planet and die an untimely death before finishing the World Cup or whatever, and then are hence cursed to golf, and you need to literally golf your way out of hell. And the whole idea is that... You're just going from left to right, uh, essentially worming your way through these golf mazes uh, and using the clubs that you have at your disposal to try and uh, get through 18 holes of golf uh, without failing any of them. Um, And the whole the whole like top level concept is that you have a specific amount of strokes that you're allowed to do or allowed to use to get through all 18 holes and you can increase those strokes over time. Um, so there are ways to, uh, get, I guess, just more, uh, by, by doing certain things. Um, but it really is kind of like a race against the clock. Make sure that every single time you hit the ball, you are hitting it as far as you possibly can. It is extremely stressful. It is very difficult. Uh, but I have been playing more of it than I thought I was going to. So that's Curse Curse to Golf. There's a lot of coverage, as I said, about this game elsewhere, and I would recommend checking that out, but I'm enjoying it so far. Another one that's an early access that I wanted to just tell you about specifically, because I know this is in your zeitgeist also, Mm. uh, is a game called 30XX. That is uh, wonderful on the Steam Deck. I'll just say up front. It is a Mega Man roguelike. The whole Oh, Conceit cool. is what if Mega Man X or Mega Man Zero were roguelikes and you could switch back and forth between those two characters and play uh, essentially a procedurally generated like Dr. Wiley's nightmare place uh <laughs> as either this of those awesome. characters. Yeah. Um you make your way through, you get a bunch of different cool abilities that you can add, like, oh, suddenly, you know, my my beam now shoots three shots in a spread pattern instead of one, things like that. It's awesome. It's really fun. I have had I, I you know, again, it's an early access. I think it's uh, pretty sparse outside of actually making your way through runs like there's not much of like a story there's no real like there's no real introduction into what you're trying to accomplish it seems like they're trying to tell a loose story but it's not really in the game yet Um, but where it's at right now just in terms of going through runs I think is pretty good. I have just found that some of them are like way too hard and some of them are way too easy. And I think I imagine over time they will balance that out uh, until it, you know, hits 1.0. But I wanted to pitch that one to you because I think you'd like it a lot.
1: Yeah, I love the presentation. I'm looking at the, the background art in particular is really lovely. They're like purple and orange. Yeah, the music
0: whips. It's so good. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna like it if you end up picking it up.
1: Structuring Mega Man as a roguelike is really fascinating because I've always felt like I love Mega Man X, but I've always felt that it's sort of like an oddly structured game in that like, it's sort of, it's level based, but it sort of has the premise of the Metroidvania and that what levels you do yes. earlier will affect other places, which I've always thought was really cool. But I think actually sort of like taking that formula and, pushing it farther in one direction like is it going to be a uh, metroidvania is it going to be a roguelike i think actually that is a really really cool idea totally yeah i
0: think honestly one of the one of the things that i find so interesting about roguelikes is the amount of people that just say take x game and make it a roguelike and how <laughs> right, well that right. usually works out and one of the games actually the next two games i'm going to talk about actually all of these games now i'm thinking about it curse the golf is what if golf was a roguelike this is what if Mega <laughs> Man was a roguelike there's another game i'm playing on ios currently called pawn barion uh which is chess but a roguelike where oh, hell yeah. essentially you're in a small chess board um, and you have a deck of cards which represent different chess pieces and you have a bunch of enemies all over this chess board and you can only move Using the corresponding card that you have. So if you have a knight, you can only move the same way a knight would move. Or if you have a bishop, you can only move diagonally like a bishop would. And that's how you attack the enemies on this grid. And they can attack you kind of however they want. So you're both avoiding enemies and using these cards to your advantage to try and defeat them. Uh, It's really cool. I don't know where I found it honestly. It just like appeared on my iPhone a couple weeks ago, (laughs) and I forgot I had downloaded it. Maybe somebody recommended it to me. Maybe I just saw it in the App Store. I'm honest, like truly not sure. But I can't stop playing it it's really good Pawnbarian is chess but a roguelike and the last one i want to talk to you about which i love came out of nowhere for me like re- like really truly had no idea this was coming and then i saw that it had launched and was like oh i'll check that out um is shovel knight dig which is yeah. what if shovel knight was a roguelike and it is i will be frank one of the best games i played this year pretty immediately i wow am so. I am so surprised at how good this game is. I really, like, Going into it, I feel like Yacht Club games who have been making Shovel Knight for years, since you and I were working for the old site that we used to work for, I think was when the first one came out, like Shovel Knight yeah. by itself. Yeah, 2013,
1: 2012, yeah.
0: Yeah, in that vicinity. Um, And I, I remember really liking it. Everyone on staff really liked it. It's a great game. It's a great game. I still love it. It's one of the only games I ever wanted to speed run in my life because I like couldn't stop playing it. Shovel Knight is awesome. And the many expansions that they've added to the treasure trove of that are also yeah. great and change the game in it's fantastic. wildly cool yeah. ways is Shovel Knight is sick. And since that game, they have also released a bunch of other spin-offs of Shovel Knight, including a card game. And more recently, uh, there's a puzzle game that that launched on iOS and on Switch and stuff um, that I'm really bad at. I imagine it's good, but I'm <laughs> terrible at it. I can't get good. Anyway, Shovel Knight Dig launched this week. And turns out it's a roguelike and I I love I love it so much. It is literally just Shovel Knight, all the mechanics that you have from Shovel Knight, like the base game, uh, but turned into a roguelike. So every time you jump in the air, you're doing a pogo move downwards. You know, you're swinging your shovel left and right to attack things. You're digging up treasure, um, you know, from like gem filled mounds of dirt uh, and trying to collect as much as you possibly can. But amidst all of that, I think is on the top level, just this unbelievable confidence in the actual base mechanics of Shovel Knight. Like, yes, Shovel Knight, the game, is awesome. The Treasure Trove, as we mentioned, is great. But like the base game Shovel Knight, the way Shovel Knight moves and acts throughout the world, those mechanics are strong enough to break outside of just that one game that is played kind of as if, you know, it's like a like a Castlevania or like a, a DuckTales kind of thing. I, I think that was those were the the touch points for that game. This really just takes exactly those mechanics, exactly the way they work and exactly the way you'd expect from that game and just says this can support a different kind of game entirely and the, and they're totally right. Like that theory is proved out so immediately. So what happens right at the top of the game, it doesn't really matter because it's not like super story heavy, but Shovel Knight wakes up and finds that his bag has been stolen by a villain who I think just is like a mole man uh, and just digs (laughs) into the earth. And there's a big cavern directly next to your campfire and you just jump down into the campfire. And when you do that, it generates a new uh, hole that you need to jump down and then you just make your way through a roguelike level that is procedurally generated the thing about shovel night dig that i think makes it stand head and shoulders above a lot of other roguelikes that i've played in my time is i have found that there are two different versions of a roguelike one of which is completely confident in its mechanics and that's all it it, it recognizes that's all it needs to accomplish like if the game feels good enough that's all you need to do there are other roguelikes that even even if they are confident in the way it plays the randomness of the genre itself is the thing that they're banking on keeping players back or coming back over and over again for run after run after run so a thing like for example slay the spire is an extremely successful game right like that 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 card mechanic is awesome the different decks that you can get are great but there is that really interesting element of like what relic am I going to get on this run that's going to like change the game and, and push it in my favor so I can finally get to the end here not to say that you know the 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 relics are the reason to play that game but there is definitely a leaning on that to allow players who maybe haven't fully mastered the card side to have, an, uh, have a leg up or have a chance even at victory I think Binding of Isaac is another great example of that where like yeah. yes there are players who go into those runs and pick up zero items and beat the game somehow and that's amazing and miraculous that you can do that that the game supports that but the game wants you to be engaging with all the different cool items that you can get and like just completely change the way isaac looks play as different characters with different powers and just become this like overpowered god eventually and i think a game like hades is this perfect midpoint yeah in between both of those where like you could play that whole game and not pick up a single boon and have a great time like you could just get really good at that combat and beat that (laughs) game and that's really cool it would just be very difficult and part
1: of the joy is picking up the boons I i see your point but you do have to pick up boons to progress to the next door oh yeah true (laughs) but you're right. Like you don't have to engage fully in every possible customization or like get every weapon aspect or whatever you can just do like i'm going to use the base sword the whole time
0: i i think yeah the point i'm trying to make specifically is like the joy of hades is not solely in picking up boons totally i i think everything else about that game is so strong that the boons are just another thing that it's succeeding at and that's why it's kind right. of like in that midpoint there but there are some games that lean a little bit too far into that randomness element and and end up kind of I would say skimping a little bit on the base combat. Then there are games completely in the other direction. Spelunky comes to mind. Spelunky yeah. is a game where you start that game and you just have the exact moveset that you have. And really almost nothing changes. Yes, there are items. There are item shops. You can get a jetpack, You can get climbing gloves, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But... Generally speaking, Spelunky wants you to get good at playing Spelunky with no items like Spelunky wants you to have the final destination, no items, Fox only experience (laughs) because that's the you can really only rely on yourself and the toolkit that you start with to succeed in Spelunky. And I think that that is so brave. (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like I, I think it's so brave for that game to exist in the form that it is, especially in Spelunky 2 where they're like, we're just doing it again, but just making it all better. Like the little tiny quality of life improvements in terms of like how the wit moves, how you throw bombs, the speed at which you run, the ways in which you grapple onto the edge of a of a cliff or something in Spelunky 2 are just refinements of what is really like an extremely confident reliance in the base mechanic and then they add a bunch of cool items like if you want Um, but you don't rely on them you don't rely on them to succeed in Spelunky Shovel Knight Dig is very much a Spelunky-adjacent kind of roguelike. Shovel Knight Dig, you jump into the pit for the first time, you know immediately exactly how to play if you've played Shovel Knight before, so no questions at all about what your tool set is going to be, and you just make your way down as far as you possibly can, and then you die, and then you get better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What I do appreciate is that there are some elements here and there that they allow you to progress like long-term. They have the thing that I love from Binding of Isaac, where you can unlock the potential for items to appear in future runs so like okay i went up and i talked to the shopkeeper up at the campfire near near uh, my starting area and i bought a ring that lowers fire damage that doesn't mean that you always have the ring that lowers fire damage it means that sometimes now that ring that lowers fire damage might appear in runs sometimes uh and yeah. will sometimes if you get that ring make you want to say go to the fire area instead of the water area when the choice is presented in front of you, so they have that, which I think is great. I also recently unlocked an armor who gives you the ability to equip different armors that have trade offs and buffs. So, for example, you have more health and you take less damage, but also you get way less currency, so you can't unlock anything anymore uh, if you're always wearing this. So, like maybe only wear this on runs where you're trying to like progress as far down as you can. There's another one that is just made of gold, and it's like it just is made of gold. It doesn't do anything for you. You're just made of gold now, uh, which yeah. is really great. So they do have this like nice balance between permanent unlocks and also like just the chance for cool stuff to happen in your run. But really, at the end of the day, they just want you to get good at being Shovel Knight. And I think that that's really impressive because I don't see a lot of roguelikes coming out these days that are that focused on just its singular mechanics. And I love it. I think I think I think it's really, really, really a stunning game.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I think you're onto something with with sort of Having those two broad categories, and obviously there are elements of both in a lot of roguelikes, I think Hades, like you said, is really the perfect middle ground. I think about FTL as maybe the opposite, where FTL is like all about this is going to be a different experience each time. It doesn't really matter if you got good at the game because you might just yeah. be ob- above a sun at one point. And like, you know, I think some people might find that frustrating, but that is what the game is going for. You know, I, I think it is telling that in Into the Breach, it was a little bit less just completely up to chance. Mm. But I do think that there are games I think FTL is an example of a game that succeeds in okay, like giving orders to these this crew on this ship is inherently fun and And like, you know, there's RPG elements there, but the draw of the game is every run is going to be different. And I think you're right that a lot of more um, recent uh, RPGs, you can tell what I'm used to talking about, Uh, more recent (laughs) roguelikes have been more interested in every run is going to be different, Yeah, which I think that can still be the case even in a game like Spelunky or shovel night dig when it's the intrinsic value of learning a new skill or being like yes. oh like i think a big joy in spelunky is realizing what systems work with others like mm-hmm. oh if i throw a bomb into this lava pit and lava spills on the floors below me like i can use th- i can actually use the level and in that not only are you understanding like how to control the character better but you're also understanding like how the level design can hurt or help you mm-hmm. and that is really very much different every time because it's procedurally generated so there's infinite possibilities there even if it does feel like you're on paper doing the same thing each time it's a delicate balance because you do want it to be a, like you do want some variety but i think you're right that it shows a lot of confidence in the design to have the reason you are coming back is because you want to get better at this or you yeah. want to see what you can do as this character with this ability yeah it's really cool
0: I find that there are a lot of games where you can tell pretty early on what the loop is going to be like what the core loop is going to be and if the answer to that ends up being I just have to get better at this combat that I don't like very much regardless of all of the other cool modifiers that can happen in the video game sometimes as soon as you can see yourself 10 hours from now still not being good at it you just you just get off the train early you know and I think you bring up a great point with FTL that's not to say that the games that are leaning fully into randomization are bad there there is the possibility space for those games to be incredible like ftl but i i do think that there are really two different schools of thought here and the shovel knight spelunky side of things i don't see that frequently so when one does come along and feels this good and like sticks the landing, it really immediately like launches itself into a pantheon of games for me, uh, which I think is really cool. Like I honestly, I think a good uh, kind of middle ground as well is Rogue Legacy. Um, more so yeah. the first one than the second one for me so far, at least in my experience with the second one. But I think the first one specifically, like you have this constant sense of progression because you can keep investing the money that you're finding into just making yourself better but at the end of the day like you will know which kind of character or which character class you are best at and which one will give you the best odds at beating the game and that's not just like oh I invested so much money in myself that now I have infinite health and I'm going to beat the game which is a way that you can beat that game but eventually if you're like I'm actually just really good with the paladin class you can just make it to the end of the game with the paladin class if you continue to choose them and get better at that which I think you know also in that realm, in that spelunky realm, yeah. in that in that Shovel Knight realm. Um, but what I really appreciate about this game is like it's coming out of the gate with an entire tool set that you already know and love. Like if you've played Shovel Knight at all, yeah, that's right. you start playing Shovel Knight Dig and you're just like, I feel at home immediately. <laughs> Let me see what's interesting about this world you've created. Uh, and... They sure did make an interesting world. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. I haven't made it super far in so far, but I do have a video on our YouTube of the furthest I've made it so far, at least at the time of this recording. We'll see you know where I'm at by Wednesday when the episode comes out. But as of now, I haven't made it super far, but I really do feel compelled to continue playing over and over again.
1: You sold me. You're playing this on Switch, right? Not on Steam Deck?
0: I am playing this on Switch. It is available on Steam Deck as well. Um, but I just found uh that... Being able to have this on the OLED Switch specifically uh, was yeah. really compelling for me because I didn't even mention this. The music, incredible. But visually, this game, the way I described it in that YouTube video at least, was it looks like the Game Boy Advance 2. Like it looks like they <laughs> aimed for, let's make this look like a Game Boy Advance game and then went like a step beyond that. It doesn't look like the Nintendo DS. It looks like this interesting, newly invented amalgamous thing that would have been the Game Boy Advance 2 and what that would be capable of visually.
1: It's kind of like, uh, the first Shovel Knight looks like that, before the NES yes, where it's exactly. not, it's not Super Nintendo, but it's definitely better than the NES. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Shovel Knight. I actually got, you know, we, it came out when we were writing for that website, but I didn't, and I was the 3DS guy. I should have got it. I don't know why I didn't get it, but that's where I played it. Yeah. I didn't play until I think the beginning of this year. Early this year, I got Treasure Trove on the Switch, and it's incredible.
0: I do remember you texting me earlier this year and being like, I'm so sorry I'm late to this, but Shovel Knight is awesome.
1: (laughs) I was like, yeah, it is. I remember you said, you're like, "I, I, I think and hope you'll love it, but it is this kind of weird era to play Shovel Knight in where the idea of a retro love letter game has become in some ways retro, or at least way more common like when Shovel Knight came out that was like there were there there was the beginning of sort of a um nostalgic era for games I think like that was not too long after like Scott Pilgrim the movie came out and also Mm -hmm. Scott Pilgrim the game and like stuff like Castle Crashers where there was just like that late 2000s early 2010s there was a lot of nineties nostalgia. Um, and there still is obviously, but like in games specifically, yeah, there were like games dealing with that nostalgia. <laughs> and I think Shovel Knight's a great example of not just referencing the past in a way of like, dude, you remember this band? Like it's, <laughs> it's actually taking influence and also like making good on a lot of intentions that were not fully executed from that era. Like I think yeah again, one of the one of the biggest influences for Shovel Knight is Simon's Quest. A lot of the games that inspired that game were games that had really great ideas and really big goals, but like fell a little short of it. And Shovel mm-hmm. Knight was like, I'll fulfill all of your dreams at once, which is <laughs> kind of amazing and it makes me really excited for their uh, yacht clubs like new series Mina the Hollower mm-hmm. seems to be the aesthetic of that is very much Game Boy Color too, like not Game Boy Advance yeah. but like a little bit better than Game Boy Color and seems very like I remember they, they first showed footage of that shortly after I got into the Oracle games so like full circle uh, yeah. I'm really excited to see what they do next and I'm definitely going to pick this up it sounds awesome
0: yeah, it re- it really just like rocketed itself up the list for me this year. Uh, it it I don't know I don't know if everybody feels that way about it. I haven't read a bunch of reviews about it, but um, I I am very excited about it personally, and I think you'll like it a lot too.
1: Yeah, I'm sure I will. Because again, I I love I love shovel Knight. I think it sounds like if you like shovel Knight, you'll probably at least enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> it's so. It's The same mechanics. It
0: has all the same like humor and stuff as well. You know, like I I did a run. Uh, I think it was yesterday where I went down. Into uh, this one secret area that I had found. And when I went in, I saw a big guy holding a big bag. And I was like, oh, man, I'm so excited to see what's in that big bag. And as soon as I started walking towards him, the door behind me shut and a bunch of rats flying in the air, holding bombs appeared in this room that i was in and i needed to kill them all to be able to open the door and escape this room or talk to the bag man uh and just got like annihilated just got like so (laughs) so close to death i was like one health left when i finally cleared it and i was like i did it even if I die as soon as I step out of this room, I get to at least see what happens when I talk to this bag man, just in the event that I run into him again in the future. Like I'll know, I'll know if this is worth it or not. And I went to go talk to him and he was like, Hey, I'm the bag man. So nice to chat with you. And that was it. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And I talked to him again. And he was like, what do you want something? I don't have anything for you. <laughs> that's amazing. And then I left. Uh, but I love that. Like honestly, yeah. like that's great.
1: <laughs> that's, that's what rogue legs are all about to me. There's so many, Fun and bizarre NPCs and Shovel Knight as well that I imagine they have fun with in this game, too.
0: They really do. Um, yeah. It's a prequel to Shovel Knight, by the way.
1: Oh, interesting. There is a canonical
0: timeline. Yacht Club Games released a canonical timeline recently.
1: Uh, I also still have to play. I'm basically almost done with like Shovel Knight's main quest, but I haven't played as King Ooh. Knight or or uh, Plague Knight or the Grim Reaper Knight. I forgot what they're called. They have like a scythe. So I'll, I'll report back. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll do that. Specter Knight, Thank you. I know that one of the moves King Knight has is essentially like the Wario tackle and Mm -hmm. then the like Super Mario world spin, which I love that. Like, again, it's like they're, they're not just beholden to the past, but they're really like running with these ideas that like, there are so many mechanics from older games that you could, again, just be like, we're focusing entirely on that as a game, you know, like the spin jump that breaks blocks from Super Mario World. That could be a whole game. Totally. Uh, yeah. So,
0: And the pogo move is great still in yeah. Shovel Knight Dig. Yeah. They actually take it a step further in Shovel Knight Dig than they did in the original game too, which I, I think is really cool. Where the way it works is when you jump in the air, you automatically pogo. Like there's no way to actually launch into the pogo move. It's just if you jump, you automatically do it. And if you land on something that you can bounce off of, you will But as soon as you land on something you can't bounce off of, that's when you stop pogoing. So there are sometimes in the procedural generation entire levels that you need to clear that are just filled with things that you can pogo off of and you can never touch the ground. So you're just bouncing off of enemies and, and like dirt blocks and stuff for like five straight minutes just trying to not die which is exhilarating and terrifying and uh really rewarding (laughs) when you figure it out or when you get to the bottom of it or not um and in those moments i i think to myself like this is just downwell also like downwell is another (laughs) one of my favorite roguelikes speaking of games that are like really committed and 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 confident about their base mechanics it's amazing that shovel knight like You look at that tool set, you look at the tool set that Shovel Knight has at his disposal and just think like, oh, yeah, that could even support just being downwell." But I love that it's just here as like a flare. It's just like every once in a while you'll run into something like that where you just play downwell for a couple of minutes. It's great. It's 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 a really it's a really impressive game. Uh, I've been just blown away by it.
1: Yeah, I I might pick it up as soon as we're done recording. Honestly, (laughs) it sounds awesome.
0: I have a video about that one also on our YouTube and like truly I almost sat down to play more of it today and record it. So I could see myself. They have like a daily challenge thing like Spelunky. I could see myself getting into that. Oh, cool. Uh, so
1: I would love to watch that. Yeah, yeah. Stay
0: tuned if I if I end up doing that uh, to our YouTube dot com slash into the cast.
1: Yes. Do you with all that now that we've gotten out of your gauntlet now that we've uh, perfectly uh, adjusted our steam decks and talked about puzzles? Do you want to wrap up once and for all I, <laughs> for, the, for this week, for this week, to be clear? Yes. The show is still going. Cool. Well, hey, (laughs) thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, intothecast.online is our hub for everything. Places to review the show, also links to our Twitch and YouTube. I am going to begin my Halloween spooky season streams soon. That's right. Uh, This episode comes out Wednesday. So this coming Saturday, I'm going to begin that. Basically, once a week, I'm going to stream a horror or Halloween-esque game uh, I will release the schedule for that soon. Streaming for us is obviously always kind of impromptu, but for whatever reason, when I have like a project in mind, I like having like an announced schedule. So for Halloween, it's pretty easy. Uh, weekly is, is pretty <laughs> doable for me. So I will let you know when all that's happening and what games I will be streaming. I'm very excited about that. Can't believe it's already almost October. That's yeah, wild. Pretty wild. Another announcement at the end of this week, you will be getting our God of War bonus. Uh, That should be coming out, I think, on Friday... Um, and also, on that same day, we will be releasing our patron bonus, which is all about Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology. So that will be a, a back-to-back kind of companion piece release.
0: What I will say about the Neil Gaiman Norse Mythology bonus, now that we've finished recording it, is that I don't think you need to have read Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology to appreciate that bonus. Uh, it really just ends up being like us going a little bit more in-depth into God of War specifically and its, its take on Norse Mythology. Yeah. We obviously talk about the book a little bit, and I would still... Highly, highly, highly recommend reading the book because I think it's fucking incredible. But that having been said, I I don't think it's a prerequisite for enjoying that episode.
1: That's a good that's a good uh, level setting to do, uh, because I I think like it's more of a general discussion. We're not going beat by beat every myth. Um, Yeah, although that would have been fun. But I think I think we made the right call because otherwise I would have gotten really into it and it (laughs) would be like a four hour, another four hour episode for for you or AJ to edit so
0: yeah I don't know how much I need to talk about that one where Thor just like gets married you know
1: (laughs) Thor gets his driver's license
0: (laughs) Ah, I my goat again I don't know why that's his voice is he wearing a post boy shirt because then I'm into it (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah well you know you know where my heart is um, i'm so glad i thought i was alone and loving Postboy piccolo and it seems like there's a whole fandom so yeah, i'm glad i'm not sure alone is. yeah i was very happy in dragon ball fighter z great game in your online avatar which every arc game lets you like have a little avatar Postboy piccolo was was for sale in in-game currency and i I sure as hell bought him and walked around as him, waiting to get my ass kicked online. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically everything on the immediate horizon. We have more plans, but I think we'll wait a little bit before we announce them. We have our bonuses set for October, for example, or excuse me, our bonus. Don't get too excited. But um, more on that in the future. For now, just thank you so much for listening. We really, really appreciate you. Special thanks to all our patrons. Again, we're getting pretty close to that 2000 goal, which is amazing. So I just i i feel very grateful for all the support the show is getting it's always so fun to record with you even when we have to record on a monday night it's it's still (laughs) a blast it feels like yeah i never i never dread making the show it's always fun and that's a really great place to be with any kind of creative project
0: absolutely yeah likewise uh i even have a light touch of bronchitis and i i feel i'm good (laughs) about recording this what do you have? What do you have coming up? Uh, we don't. We don't have to go super far into it, but do you have anything that you're like Jonesing to check out for next week?
1: oh man i mean i'm probably gonna still be messing around with the steam deck there are some games i started that i didn't bring up i'm also feeling I'm gonna be talking pull. about the networking settings of the steam Deck, <laughs> dude you can connect to wi-fi and <laughs> set your password um you can change your wi-fi network to steven's puzzle box and no one could get in um i uh i've been feeling the pull to get back into crosscode which is like forever on my backlog a nice. game you and i were like really smitten by i don't know if that will be next week but that's like something i want to play i actually did just on uh backlogged.com which we use a lot for like playlists and stuff i made a impromptu playlist of just like horror and halloween-esque games that i plan on playing next month not necessarily the ones i'll be streaming but just games that i will check out in in the uh in the season if you will so if you are interested in that at all it is there again i don't know if that will like there are a number of games there that I have not played and know nothing about. <laughs> so I'm really excited to go into a few of those completely blind, but uh, there's there's not a guarantee that that will be brought to the show. So it's not necessarily like totally a book club thing, but mm-hmm. um, if you want to see what's kind of on my radar, uh, it's on Backlogged, which I thought would be fun to share. Otherwise, I don't know, man. I mean, this, this time of year is interesting. I feel like October is always like where I feel the looming uh, responsibility to get Uh, game of the year stuff in order yeah which feels faster than ever this year honestly like I know I always say like time's flying by but like it really has in this case so I will probably be revisiting some stuff as well like there there were a lot of games that came out early in the year and then Elden Ring came out and just buried everything for a season so I definitely want to like for example I want to get farther into Xenoblade 3 which is a game that you and I really love and I'm (laughs) <laughs> any other game i would be done with it by now but you know i'm I'm probably a third of the way through or something uh so just sort of like getting everything in order i think i'll i'll have a more like focused uh backlog next week probably but for now i'm just like enjoying having there, there's a little bit of stress with having all this access but i also you know once i get everything in order i'll, I'll have a clearer idea of what awaits me how about you uh
0: yeah yeah for next week Specifically, I have some stuff on the horizon. I'm playing uh, Proteus on the Steam Deck right now, um, Oh yeah, which is, I just want to make this clear, P-R-O-D-E-U-S and not P-R-O-T-E-U-S, which is a different indie game that I played and loved on my Windows PC years and years ago uh, oh, wow. and also on the PlayStation Vita. But anyway, uh, Proteus is like a, it's like a Doom-like uh, speaking of, you know, like the Game Boy Advance Two and the Game Boy Color Two, it feels like the PC Two. I don't, I don't know. <laughs>
1: then the, that's that's really good that might be a good episode title
0: the nintendo 65 maybe i don't know um <laughs> it's really interesting it's a really interesting game i want to talk about it more next yeah. week um it's the thing about it i'll say this much is that uh somebody tweeted at us and was like hey you should check this out and then i i did i went on steam and i looked at it and i said absolutely fucking not for me uh because it's you know it's very much like doom with all of its gore you know like it 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 is just like reveling in being like as bloody and wild as possible but i was like you know what now is the time Challenge my preconceptions bought the game started playing it really liking it we'll talk about it next week cool the other thing that i'm very interested in and i don't know if this will actually come up next week but it surely is a fixation of mine right now as of this recording and i didn't get the time to talk about it today so i'll maybe bring it up next week is story of seasons um, oh, yeah. It's another, I need to put my money where my mouth is situation because we talked a whole lot about Farming Sims uh, and like that whole genre, the way we feel about it, all of the ones they showed at the Nintendo Direct how people were upset about that. And, you know, we waxed poetic about farming sims for a while. And I sat there and thought to myself, I was like, I don't really know how I feel about just straight up farming sims that aren't Stardew Valley. Like I played a little bit of Harvest Moon for the, uh, for the Game Boy Advance bonus, played some Harvest Moon and some Rune Factory for the DS bonus. But even that didn't really feel like a good like a good like me sitting down and really thinking to myself, like, how do I feel about this as a genre? So I have been playing both of the Story of Seasons games that are available on the nintendo switch and i can't wait to talk about them
1: i can't wait to hear yeah i might also pick them up eventually because i there is one that is just a remake of friends of mineral town
0: yeah it is just story of seasons friends of mineral town that is yeah, the title
1: that was one of my favorite game boy advance games so i'm very curious about that one
0: they also recently so, announced they're remaking the gamecube one. Oh, that was a big one it's a wonderful life yeah yeah
1: that because that came out before the first Animal Crossing, or at least in the U.S., because Animal Crossing came out on the GameCube in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was like around the same time when those two games came out and like introduced that as a concept. I remember all the time, you know, I've brought this to the show before, playing Animal Crossing at my dad's house and my family watched me play and going, so what do you do? <laughs> like the idea of mm-hmm. there not being that concrete goal stood out so strongly. And now it's everywhere, which is really interesting. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, the big thing is that that game is not coming until summer of next year. Uh, but
1: Oh, you got some time.
0: As of now, there are two Story of Seasons games on the Switch. So I've been playing both of them. They were both on sale this week. So I was like, sure. I started playing one and then saw a lot of discourse about it on the Internet when I Googled it because I just do too much research about this stuff sometimes for the show. <laughs> uh, and was like, well, I won't know how I feel about this one until I also play 15 hours of the other one. So that's what I'm endeavoring to do. Uh, expect to hear about that next week.
1: But that's it. That's all I got. Thank you for your time. Have a wonderful week.
0: Yes. Please, please, please enjoy your week. Thank you so much for listening, as usual. Into the cast out online, baby. My name is Brenda Bigley. You can find me on the internet
1: at Brenda Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye.